Just real quick before we jump into this week's episode. If you have not yet subscribed to Some Assembly Required on your favorite podcast player, please do so. It'll help me a lot. And if you're new here, I'm so glad you found us. My name's Sean. Right, let's go. Some Assembly Required is about matters of the heart and the head, and we delve into the messiness of being human. Ayanda Dlamini is a fellow parent, a dear friend, and a former radio colleague. And with three children in tow, wherever she goes, uh, she's used to a measured level of chaos, shall we say. The one thing that has always struck me about Ayanda is something scientific literature refers to as hedonia, the presence of positive emotions and the absence of negative emotions. I don't know, Ayanda, if I've ever seen you express anger. I don't even know if I've seen you sad. Can you reach those levels of emotions? Is it possible? (laughs) Oh, yes. They are definitely there. It is definitely possible, Sean. And um, I think you don't see it because one doesn't always show it, you know. And just because you don't see it doesn't mean it's not there or, you know, just because you don't see it doesn't mean I'm not feeling it. It's just, I guess I probably choose pockets of moments and times where I do feel safe enough to show them. And also where for the most part, it's just, you know, you just got to push on. So Mm. leave it at the door, as some would say, depending on where you are, of course. Well, I mean, you say leave it at the door and that's kind of my strongest memory. We both worked at Good Up FM and your show followed mine. uh, And so often it felt like you left whatever day you had had at the door. When When you breezed into the studio... You didn't seem to be carrying anything else with you. You would have conversations and you would banter and you would listen to everybody vent and share their stories from their day, but nothing seemed to penetrate, I don't know, a wall. I don't know if you put it up purposefully, but you seemed to just allow for that stuff to to bounce off of you. It was intentional, I assume. <laughs> I don't know about you know it being intentional, but more about, you know, I guess one, you safeguard yourself. So um you mean you mention a wall. And maybe there was this subconscious wall. But for the most part, I always had this thing of not wanting to be a burden on anybody. Um, so, you know, when I can, you know, you keep it light, you keep it conversational. And it's not necessarily about being fake and pretending you don't feel emotions. It's just like, like I said earlier on, it's about knowing when you can speak about them and knowing when you can show them. And for the most part, for me, I think it was about being in a space that I did want to be in. So then my energy was about that. It was, I'm seeing great people. Uh, I want to find out how you are doing. And I mean, if we, if, if you ask the question, how am I doing? If the space allows, I definitely open up and ask and talk. But for the most part, it's always been about rather engaging with the other person and finding out what's going on with them. Because also you, honestly, you find that you realize you're actually okay and other people are going through the most (laughs) and see how you can help them out rather. Yeah, yeah. I was always so impressed by the level of maturity that you would carry around. And I I think... You're younger than me, so it was something that I definitely looked up at uh, in in terms of the way you carried yourself. Do you think that maturity came through from a, from an early age? Was there something specific that maybe catapulted that for you, Ayanda? Yeah, you're right. Early age upbringing, I, a lot of my young life was was in church, youth, working with the youth, ministry, and that kind of thing. So I think there was a lot of growing up 
that happen there as well. You know, being a youth leader, being doing community work. So you almost learn to how to handle situations, how to handle people, because that training happens when you're doing that to become a youth leader and that kind of thing. And then, of course, just being um, comfortable in knowing that you're able to help other people. So that's where the focus is always, you know, putting other people first and to my detriment at times, because <laughs> my husband usually says, charity also starts at home, you know, you'll see <laughs> after yourself, look after us. It's not always about other people, you know, and that's why I say sometimes it can be to my detriment in being, you know, putting other people first. Mm, and that's part of the, the messiness of being human, isn't it? To realizing where where the boundaries are and understanding that we shouldn't be pushing ourselves beyond those. And I'm sure we'll talk more about that in just a bit. Can, can you maybe take me back to that first time where you tasted fame, uh, some form of public recognition? Because, Ayanda, you've been working in the media industry for a very long time. I imagine that first moment is sort of an indelible one in your mind. <laughs> yes, it is. So one of my, I mean, I've been doing TV since I was probably 10 years old. Um, but one of the, the, the biggest moments for me was being a part of a drama series for SABC One. And I think the storyline and my character in the drama series really resonated with, you know, a whole lot of people. In fact, the whole country because of who the character was and what she went through. So, you know, going to shop, checkers, pick and pay. Um, and, and, you know, she was a very strong woman, but she was going through the most. So many of the people I bumped into were like, huh, you know, there she is. And they call me by my character name, you know, oh, Vachiswa, Vachiswa. And you kind of need to look because, you know, that's not the name you were born with. But then, you know, you realize they're trying to connect with you at that level. So that's when I kind of knew, um, okay, maybe my face is, is all over the place. And then I think when I did a couple of magazine stories, there was a magazine cover that I did. And the crazy thing about it is people feel like they know you. So when they approach you, one always has to remember to be very kind of friendly and open, even when you're not having the best of days, because they feel like they have that connection with yeah. you. Yeah, you speak about being on TV and, and in the media from a very early age. When when did that bug bite for you? I, I know you studied a little bit through through the Cape Academy of Dramatic Arts. Was there always a dream for your name to be up in flashing lights, whether you be on screen or stage? No, that, that wasn't the dream. At one point, I wanted to become a scientist when I was in, uh, you know, you call it grade three these days, 10 and one. I wanted to become a scientist, but math is not my friend. So I learned very quickly that it's not going to happen. Teaching was always a passion of mine, and it still is a passion of mine, which is why I enjoy, you know, whether it be hosting the workshops or doing things within the community, because there's an element of teaching in all of that as well. Even radio as a platform allows one to be able to use some of that, you know, the teaching and the influence that you do have. Was the Hollywood Lights a dream? Not necessarily. I started it because, I mean, it was an extra income. Grew up small families, my mom, myself, my younger brother, money was scarce. Um, and it just so happened that there was an agency, a lady spotted me and she was like, hey, we could use you for a commercial. And then that's how it started. And from me, it was, you know, little commercials. Then, oh my goodness, I'm doing voiceovers. I didn't even know this world existed, but it helped us as a family. You know, this was like the extra little bits that could help assist my mom um, when she needed some finances and that kind of thing. And then it just rolled into something that I 
happen to stay in. And the industry itself is fraught with disillusionment, with uh, rejections, with disappointment. It sounds to me like you you've always had a really good head on your shoulders to not let any of that external stuff impact you or get inside your mind. That's it's very impressive. Sean, I had to learn it at a very young age and especially in the industry because you go for all these castings. I mean, you, you can imagine you, you're nine, you're 10 years old and you're getting all these no's the whole time. And, you know, it's, it's actually something my mom said. You can't take it personally. It's just for that moment, you're not what they're looking for or you're, you're just not the fit. But they don't know you personally. They don't know who you are. So you can't take it personally and take it for what it is. Okay, so that role is not for you. There may just be another one. And that's something that we, we do need to learn is to not take this industry personally because sometimes your flavor of the month and that month could be literally a month or it can be three, five. Five years, but when it's time for you to go, then it's time for you to go, and you got to bow out, and you can't make it your identity. And I think a lot of the times we make it our identity. It is who we are. So if I'm on radio, I am the radio person. Forgetting that you've got other talents, there are other things that you probably should be exploring and can explore while you're doing that, so that when it does get taken away, or if you do make the decision to go a different direction, you're still okay. Because you yourself weren't, your personality, your identity wasn't dependent on all of that. Whether it be, you know, for years, five, eight years, you were a, an engineer. And a lot of people take that on and I am. And this is, and then unfortunately, we see retrenchments that are happening. People are losing their jobs and you feel lost. You don't know who you are because your identity was hung on what it is that you were doing. You know, I think that is the lesson for all of us is that depending on what's happening in life, changes happen and we almost need to adapt to all of that as well. Do you find that an easy thing to teach to your own children? <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they just kind of look at whatever mommy does is what whatever mommy does, you know. Um, if, if she's doing this this time, then she's doing that that time. And even with, with the TV, they see me on TV. The first time is like, woo! The second time is... Okay, well, whatever. You know, it is what she does. Yeah. And I guess just watching you, they'll learn through your doing is the assumption, right? I mean, I can only assume that you watched your mom navigate the world around her. And through that, you're picking up the lessons of how you would put your life together and, and go into the world. Yeah, I think it's very powerful that you say that, Sean. No, I mean, there's nothing like having kids help you see how you saw your parents. So my mom was always out there working, making sure that we we're provided for, cared for, because she she needed to. You know, I spoke earlier on about finances, but she needed to. And you know, later on in life, myself as a parent, I realized I had moments where I'm like, whoa, I'm being my mother. I'm always out there working. I'm always doing this. I'm always busy. And those are the moments where you almost need to reflect a little bit. We're okay. We survived. I survived my, my very busy mom. But there were things that I was missing. So then I almost need to reflect and go, okay, I recognize that I'm also starting to be busy doing all these things. But what's the lesson? There? The lesson there was, mm. could I have had more moments with my mom? Could they, you know? So I now need to reflect on that and go, 
how can I put that towards my family that I'm raising right now? Because it's okay to recognize that, you know, we sometimes do become like our parents, but what are the lessons that we can take from them that we can then take on into our journey with parenting? Not an easy one. I'm learning that myself as well. More and more episodes we do for Some Assembly Required. I mean, it really does take a lot to put your life together. There are all sorts of little pieces that you don't realize that you may have lost or have put down in the wrong place and have to go and find again. And then to build some kind of um, whatever your success might look like to you to build that life and then to go forward and 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 be happy with your decisions as you move forward. And, you know, the thing with parenting also, what I realized is some of the things that would have happened in your childhood, you'd be surprised how they creep up when you're a parent. Um, you know, long story short, my my eldest and, you know, my husband were having an argument and Something in me was triggered because of my upbringing. I remember when my parents would fight, having to be the middle one to come in and almost try and protect so that it doesn't get worse than what it is. And I found myself actually, you know, shouting at my daughter, like, you know, keep quiet. Don't do that. You're, you're, you're going to aggravate. You're going to make things worse. And I realized that was actually the eight, nine, 10 year old me who was trying to stop a fight in my home when I was growing up. And then, you know, you look back and you go, some things, you know, they hit you when you don't expect them to hit you. But then that's when we need to take those moments and reflect and go, okay, Ayanda, you're not the eight-year-old who's trying to stop a fight in the household. Your daughter isn't you either. There's other ways of navigating the situation. Instead of telling her, Keep quiet because we don't want to start a fight in the house. Look at how we can handle this conflict, this disagreement that just happened in a healthier way. I then had to realize that it's okay to be confrontational about certain things. It's not always going to end up being a fight. Nobody's going to get hurt. Um, so it is okay to actually become open and, and talk about things and not be scared to speak about things. And can you imagine learning that just from parenting and like, you know, looking at how you're raising your children. Yeah, look, I, I don't claim to be a counselor or a psychologist at all, but listening to you talk about that, it, it wouldn't be too surprising then that the way you interact with the world now, you don't want to be a burden to anybody because you don't want to make a situation worse. And isn't it so interesting, like you say, when you do take the time to reflect and look back and to understand how it is that you're engaging with the world, when you understand that, it makes it easier to navigate going forwards. You're not constantly butting heads or the world is happening to you. You can actually move forward and, and navigate a, an easier path because you have an understanding. But Sean, you know, and that speaks to the idea of, you know, I speak about it often about having a reality check because there are so many things, so many moments that happen in our lives. And a lot of the times, you know, we'll have that big moment that happens that then informs our reality. Whatever story we spin from that moment, whatever that instant was, that becomes our reality for quite a while. It could be a few years, but you react to people a certain way because of whatever it is that happened. Your perception of the world is a certain way because of what had happened. So reality checks are also important. Just kind of slow down a little bit and go, okay, so that happened. And now I'm looking at the world like this. I'm treating people like this because of that. So let's, let's just whoa for a second 
and just see where all of these emotions are actually coming from. And then also another thing that I, I think about is our responsibility, like how we respond to things, our responsibility. We talk about parenting. There's nothing like parenting that, you know, teaches you about responsibility, how you respond to your kids, how you respond to, you know, your partner, your husband and that kind of thing. And look, some days your responsibility is a two out of 10 and you still have to be okay with yourself. Give yourself that grace and realize you're responding because of whatever you think is happening around you, you know. So you're not always going to get it right. But the most important thing is to be open and honest with yourself and be like, I could have handled that better. Could have if I was just real about what I was actually feeling at that moment. I can only assume there was a particular event, a moment, some experience that happened in your life that has set you on a course going forward that had a really big impact on you. Do do you remember what that was? Mm-hmm. And that's where I speak about the reality check and the story that we tell ourselves. Yes, I was very, very young. Something did happen. And unfortunately, it involved family member, you know, and just an element of betrayal and feeling real hurt that somebody who loves you could do something like this. And then it informed the way I was interacting with, you know, other adults. It informed the way I was interacting within relationships, trust and, you know, and fear of, of, of being hurt. And that incident stayed with me for a little while. It wasn't until I then actually had the first one, my daughter, where I then for the first time sat with a therapist and, and had to get to grips with what is actually happening, why I am responding to things the way that I'm responding to, why I'm not trusting in situations or why I'm not trusting in people, why do I feel like a burden? It's because I am not, whatever happened back then, yes, you were like, yeah, I'm going to put my big gold panties on and move on. But did you actually move on? So that's why I speak about the reality check is that every now and again, let's just check in, you know, um, you're okay, yes, but have you actually dealt with whatever it is that needs to be dealt with? And that's very important. Strengthen that. You seem to have come out on the good side. You've clearly made a decision that you're going to look at the world as a place of positivity, as a place of opportunities. And it's not an easy thing to maintain, but you've made that decision. Am I right? <laughs> yeah. It's a constant decision. I love the, the, the phrase that you've made the decision because every day when you wake up, it's a choice. It really is a choice. You're not always going to feel, you know, happy. You're not always going to feel good. And sometimes your energy levels are a little bit low, but every day really is a choice about how you're going to look at whatever this day is and how, how it's facing you as well. So it's the same with like, if, if you've been fighting with somebody, partner, whoever, you know, forgiveness is also a choice for that day and you don't have to feel it, but it's that decision that you're not going to hold on to whatever it is that's going on and you're going to try and move on as best as you can from that as well. So I think the positivity thing, I mean, it may seem woohoo, but it really is about waking up in that morning and deciding you're going to have an attitude of gratitude for the little things that you do have and deal with what you can at that moment because you can't fix it all and then go from there. 
Yeah, so powerful. What is the biggest leap of faith that you think you have taken in your life thus far? Hmm. I think the biggest leap of faith for me was deciding that I'm going to be a parent. And I said it's the biggest leap because we do have choices, you know, as women, pro, you know, pro body, pro life, pro all these things. But in my instance, it had to be a decision, you know, as to where I was going to continue and how I was going to continue. And that for me was the, the biggest leap of faith. I didn't know how I was going to be able to handle the situation financially or, you know, any other way. But that for me was my biggest leap where I just had to trust and have faith that, yes, everything is going to be okay. Mm. I am taken care of. I am supported whether I feel it or not. And then move on from there. And then two more of the kids. <laughs> then it just continues. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm listening to you talk about that. And I think about how how happy I am that you have found so much love. I mean... Just hey, to be surrounded by it and to know that you can trust and, and fall into someone's arms again and know that you're okay and everything around you is going to be okay. And I'm so glad that you met your husband and, and the kids that you've had since then. And yeah, I'm always just so happy for you. And even then, Sean, just, just to cut in there, one almost needs to accept it as well because um, – it can be given, you know, the love you give it, you give it, but you're also given. And sometimes it's not always easy to accept it. So um, that's where I had to learn the whole trust thing um, because once you accept it and then you are more comfortable in it, you feel safer in it. Um, because a lot of us, it's like that idea of some people can't always take a compliment because they just feel so uncomfortable. But it's one, once you learn to take those compliments where you realize, Hey, you actually are doing okay. You actually are doing well. Graciously taking those compliments because those are the things that are going to help you to continue to push forward as well. So it's the same things with like, if you're in a relationship, the love that is given to you, you're worthy of it. So take it, accept it so that um, you can continue building on it and, and the trust then also grows from there as well. How did the opportunity for you to work as a volunteer, I believe, at Polesmore Prison, how did that come about? So that was just me and my always wanting to do something within the community. And um, I happened to meet up with somebody and they were like, listen, we've got this program where we do young in prison. And I was like, ooh, that's interesting. And um, and they were like, look, we do, you know, fun life skills type programs with the prisoners. And that for me was very interesting because no child wakes up and says, yeah, when I'm 14, I want to end up in a chalky. I mean, you know what I mean? But unfortunately, life circumstances and those things happen. So I enjoyed that in being able to also pour into their lives as little you know, as I can. And that wasn't the only thing because I really do enjoy that kind of stuff. Um, there were times when I was helping out with teen mom groups and they a little bit of flack because how can you support this? These girls should not even have been doing what they were doing. Well, reality check is the girls were doing what they were doing. Right now, what we can do is give them some direction so they can go a different direction, you know. And I think that's that's where the passion comes in. 
I can understand that we make mistakes, young and old. But I think, uh, you know, for us who are older, sometimes the responsibility comes in being able to show them that, yes, you've done what you did, but there is another way of going as well. So, I, yeah, I enjoy it. If they call me up, I'm like, Masambi, let's do it. <laughs> Because yeah. it all happens. Yeah, and as you have so rightly said already, that respond ability, the ability to respond in a way that's going to set somebody off in a different trajectory and and not be met with doomsday sort of results and to understand that we have the ability to pour goodness, positivity, upliftment, and further development into somebody else's life. If if we take responsibility, uh, the responsibility to do that. Um, so yeah, very powerful messages there. Aya, you're, you're, such a, you're such a beacon of hope. Where do you draw your inspiration from? <laughs> God. <laughs> um, and then, you know, honestly, you ask any parent and they'll probably tell you my kids. Now, do it for my kids. Sounds cliche, but the reality is it is. And also, I think inspiration comes from having an idea of where you want to go with your life and your journey. And use that as an inspiration. And there are, of course, you know, amazing people out there. We can look at some celebrities, the Oprahs, the whatevers of the world who are doing amazing things. And even as an adult, it's okay to have those those celebrity role models, because we're always looking at somebody and looking at what they're doing and how they can inspire us as well. So I think it's those couple of things. It's using your life as an inspiration. Where do you want to go? Where do you see yourself? Because that also pushes you. And then also look around you. There's there's always, you know, somebody's doing something amazing. If that inspires you, there's no such thing as copying. It's just more people doing good. So you do too. You know, and you speak about learning and growing. You constantly doing another project and a new thing, and and <laughs> I, I want to say testing yourself, almost seeing what it is that you're capable of doing. It doesn't seem like you're scared of taking on a new challenge. You were doing a, a G12 runway thing many many years ago. Uh, now you're back studying and launching businesses. <laughs> you know what? It's like, I love how you say, like, it doesn't seem like I'm always testing something. I'm I'm sure God's like, man, this chick testing me again. She's testing, <laughs> you know, she's having faith again. You know, she's just going to jump onto the next thing and try and do it and do it best. But I think it is important, Shona, because we're not one dimensional beings, you know, and I, I tell this to young people as well. We can do something for a little while and then it's okay to dream another dream and then go for it. Do your best with that, succeed in it, and then try the next thing. Because can you imagine we get to like 85 and then you, you, some, and your grandkids like, so what did you do? And how was, yeah, no, I worked nine to until I was 63. And did you? No, that was it. And, and that's for somebody. And that's also okay. But I would challenge people and just kind of like be tries. And it doesn't have to always be something big. It can just be like discover a new hobby. Just so at, at least when we say at the end of it all, you've got some things to celebrate, those small little moments that you can celebrate, funny, sometimes sad stories that you can also share. And this all makes, you know, life, whether it be funny, sad, it all makes the journey a whole lot more interesting as well. And also, if you've got kids, they're watching you. They they really, they they're watching you. They're looking at, you know, this thing called life. 
Thank you. Oh, this is how it's actually done. So, you know, for us as parents is to be mindful of that as well, that we are also inspiring them to go outside of their comfort zones so that when they do face, you know, the big world per se outside of school, you know, they know that they are also able to take those challenges and risks as well. You continue to break barriers in your own life and for others because they're watching you do it, Ayat. What are you most proud of yourself for? Um, Most proud of? I mean, I've struggled to pinpoint one thing here, Sean, because like like you were saying, you know, I you know, I try and I venture and I do all these different things. But I think I'm always proud of, you know, having done whatever it is that I was gonna say I was gonna do. So I can't pinpoint and say I have this one big major thing that I'm really, really proud of. But the pride comes at the end of having succeeded in whatever it is that I said I was gonna do. So I can be proud of, you mentioned G12 Runway. It was just an idea that I had to be able to help those in need who are in matric, but at the same time, inspire young designers. And then it turned into a whole expo, you know, and that was me then just taking it up a notch and up a notch and up a notch. I was proud of that. Very cool. Going to come back again, by the way. Um, and then even with the studies, it was something that I decided that I really do want to continue studying. Let me do something that I'm going to enjoy. Did that. I'm about to graduate. So that's another thing I'm going to be proud of as well. So I think the successful are those who do what they plan to do and they succeed in it and they continue and the pride comes after that. So is there one big thing? Um, not necessarily, but there are many moments, many moments that one can look back at and say, you know what? You should be proud of yourself of that. And Oprah says, you know, the more you praise and celebrate your life, the more there is in life to praise and celebrate. And that then pushes you to do even more so you can create even more proud moments. And it's not always like that because, hey, it's difficult, okay? Because you need to have the energy. You need to have the discipline, (laughs) the commitment. (laughs) I'm telling you, if we were all more disciplined and more committed to whatever goals we're trying to set, we'd probably be much further, you know? Sure. It's so nice to hear you speak through and reflect upon the stories that you have accumulated in your life, because I know it motivates others, not just me, to go out and to try new things and to experiment with what is out there and slowly but surely build a life that is Worthy of celebrating because we've tested the waters, we've done things, we've experienced the depths and the breadths of our emotions. Uh, and I'm really grateful for you for, for sharing your journey with us, Aya. Awesome. Thank you, Sean. And I think, you know, with that, we were talking about, you know, the successes and celebrating moments. Um, yes, I happen to be celebrating my moments through television, through radio, uh, you know, in the media, so to speak. But I, I think for anybody who's watching and listening, it doesn't matter what avenue you are in. But, you know, whatever avenue you are in, make sure you're always doing your best. When you know better, you will do better. When you know more, you will do more. Never despise small beginnings because that's where it starts, you know. And I, I just think when you think of it like that, then you'll always have these little moments that you can also be proud of, little moments that you can celebrate. I love that. Thank you. I had already stopped the recording when Aya reminded me that being kind to others is not enough. We need to be kind to ourselves too. 
give yourself grace and allow yourself the space to evolve. Ayanda lives in Cape Town with her husband and three children. Her go-to weekday breakfast is a peanut butter choker, probably because time is of the essence. When the weekend rolls around, pancakes at the Dlamini breakfast table wouldn't be amiss. You can listen to Ayanda spread her infectious energy on Heart FM and step into her social media world as she shares it in her authentic way. This is episode 13 of hopefully very many to come on Some Assembly Required. And you can spur me on to continue telling stories of vulnerability with messy, perfectly weird little humans just like me by giving the podcast a five-star review on your favorite listening platform. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, it doesn't matter. We'll take what we can get. Thank you for all of the glowing reviews thus far. I really do appreciate it. Oh, and if you're looking for ways to incrementally build a healthier, more authentic life, I'm slowly starting a podcast companion newsletter. It's called Something Shifted, and you can subscribe for free today. The link is in the show notes. I am Sean Lewitz. Till the next time.